Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders. Designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap. We're excited to welcome today Stephen Schaff, the leader of our manufacturing and distribution industry group. Uh, so welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me, Kim and Paul. It's a great topic, I think, of uh, diving down into some industry specifics, or it's a great series here to dive into some industry specifics, because it's a complex world out there, and you really need to be an expert in your industry to truly truly add value and understand what, what's going on. I've been with Warren Averett for a little over 30 years, and from day one, I've always worked with manufacturers and distributors. I like what they do. I like how they contribute to our economy. And it's something that uh, we in War- at Warren Averett pride ourselves in as one of our one of our larger industry segments. Absolutely. Glad to have you with us. Now, Stephen, this is kind of somewhat of a continuation of a discussion you and I had uh, last week when we were having our manufacturing distribution roundtable. Um, you know, lots of conversation in the room, uh, lots of discussion, lots of opportunities that they had and challenges. What were, you know, as, as you kind of recap that that roundtable, what was what were the things that stuck out to you as as major challenges for this industry? Yeah, well, it was a great opportunity at that roundtable to get some other CFOs together because one thing with manufacturing is it is a fragmented industry. So you've got your food and beverage uh, group, you've got your plastics group, you've got your steel fabricator group. So one thing we like to do is get those CFOs together from those different industry segments and share some of their some of their pain points, their challenges, their issues. And I'll tell you that right now that the number one challenge that came out of that roundtable, which is a lot of other industries are having this too, is workforce development, finding reliable and capable, qualified individuals who want to work. And it's not just a problem in the Southeast or, or really in the United States. I happened to be on a call earlier this week with an Italian manufacturer, and uh, one of our U.S. clients is looking at partnering with them. And when we were talking about some of their challenges, that, that the Italians said their number one issue was workforce development as well, that they can't find people. So it's, it's, it's on everyone's mind, and, and it's the biggest challenge. And we've kind of done it to ourselves as a society. I mean, manufacturing has this perception of being a dirty, blue-collar job, and everyone wants their children to grow up and be doctors and lawyers. But the facts are we, we need, and we do need doctors and lawyers, so there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But we always need people to work in manufacturing. It's just not been a glorified position historically. But there are a lot of good-paying jobs, and that can lead to a rewarding career. And with the advancement of technology, it, it can be a, a technical job, too, in a clean environment. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up the international impact, because I think for a long time uh, we've looked at this just as a silo of, of U.S., but as the industries, including manufacturing and distribution, have become global industries, right, then we, we have global challenges like global supply chain, but also global labor markets and I don't think any anyone is prepared to come swoop in and solve our labor problems, right? We're going to have to be a little bit more creative than than that. We we are we are. I think um, the supply chain issue, which everyone was facing last year, seems to pretty much be under control a little bit more. Um, and talking to a lot of our clients, ninety ninety five percent of their supply chain is back intact, and we were able to work through that logistically. But this but this workforce development is is a bigger problem that's going to be here. A lot longer, I think, um, and we try to we try to advise our clients to look at it in two ways too. We we kind of break it down into how do you get new hires, where do you find those people, get them on board, 
but then also don't forget about employee retention, keeping those employees you have, because obviously it, it takes a lot of more time to, to bring someone on versus winning someone over and keeping them happy in the current job. And I can imagine, Stephen, that the um, the way the society and business is going right now with kind of the move to remote work, that's very difficult in the manufacturing and distribution industry, right? So it's to, to some degree, everybody's having a problem, but I would argue manufacturing distribution has it a little bit differently because you really can't be remote um, and get the work done. Is that is that right? Absolutely. I mean, we can't, uh, you can't take your uh, mill equipment home to your house. You can't take a, a lathe or, or, or some other processing equipment. You've got to be there on site. And we've had a lot of um, a lot of clients too that have kind of changed their administration side too to say you need to be in the office. If our plant people are here working, we we want to be a present a team effort here and show them that you're here as well. So Stephen, how are companies getting around that? What are they doing in terms of hiring? Any new ideas? Well, some people are, some companies are trying to offer more non-traditional shifts. Some people have gone to 40 hours in four days, but depending on your production schedule, that can be kind of a double-edged sword because you may have to hire more people to meet these different shift needs. But it's really trying to get outside the box. Um, and and if you're not on tech, if you're not on social media, you need to be. I mean, everybody is, including the plant workers that are working these um, manufacturing jobs. It's just another way to reach them and stay connected. Um, we've had a few clients that um, have tried to take, uh, who've looked at their current workforce and said, okay, th th these have been some great people. Where did we get them? Where did they come from? And they're trying to use data and technology, what they already have in payroll, and may say that, okay, our best employees come from this geographic area. They live in this zip code. Well, let's go market there and, and find more people that are like them since they've been good employees. A lot of other manufacturers are starting to go to um, career fair days at high schools and go ahead and plant that seed. And in fact, we've had um, two clients hundreds of miles apart in different geographic markets that actually around the same time said they went to a middle school to go wow. ahead and start planning that idea of maybe college, if college is not for you, you can have a rewarding career here at, at XYZ plant and um, and contribute to, to our local community and be a, be a productive member. I think that's interesting because I do think that's the, that's the approach is our, our kids these days are seeing the, the cool jobs, right? The, the tech jobs, the, the Googles and all the things with AI that sounds so cool. But if they could see the cool things that are happening within the manufacturing industry, right? Using robots, using AI, um, that might create a little bit more excitement that it's it's an exciting field for them to be interested in. Absolutely, and and it makes them feel more valued and 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 fact that they can learn to operate that equipment. I mean, there's there's training that we obviously need to invest in the workforce, and it makes them feel a a, a bigger part of it. And that's bringing in the workforce. You talked also about you know retaining staff, right? So that probably speaks to the culture. Of the organization, would would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, having that culture of a, a family environment to where you can let these people know that they're appreciated and valued and listened to—that's a big thing. Now we're hearing too these multi generations in the workforce that everyone wants to be and have their opinion known. So little things too, where people have asked for uh, uh, picnic tables outside the 
outside the facility on a break and, and even having one company build a gazebo that puts some shade in there. These are, uh, in the big scheme of things, kind of low cost things, but that sense of appreciation and giving these employees a, a nicer environment um, really does go a long way. Some some companies have brought in food trucks periodically on a Friday and either subsidized part of the lunch or the meal or had it be uh, free for their employees. But having that time when uh, even the uh, what I'll call the administrative side comes out and shares a lunch with them and gets to know them uh, and have more interaction, it just makes for a more cohesive and, and friendlier environment that people want to stay in and and contribute to. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. So Stephen, switching gears just a little bit, what are you seeing in terms of tax strategies? Anything new coming up that you're starting to see more of? Well, taxes have always been a big expense when you think of that on an income statement as a percentage of revenue. That's um, one of your largest items besides labor and, 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 and materials. And in 23, here under the current tax law, there are three areas that um, manufacturers are going to find a, an unpleasant surprise. Hopefully, Congress in the next couple of weeks may, may implement a workaround for some of this, but as of right now, it's not. And that first one is the interest expense limitation. And this has kind of slipped under the radar for a lot of companies, a lot of manufacturers, because of two factors. One, we've been in such a low interest rate environment for, for eight, 10 years now that people have kind of taken it for granted that I can have a loan at 2%, 3%, 3.5%. But now here, obviously, the environment's changed, rates are rising, and many people have an experience that there's actually a, a law implemented back from 2017 that limits the tax deductibility of your interest expense. And up until 2023, this was based off of 30% of EBITDA. So you got to take your earnings plus your taxes, depreciation and amortization, that depreciation being a big one in manufacturers that really let raise that baseline of then what you took 30% of that and anything below that you got to deduct as your interest expense. Well, starting in 2023, that baseline becomes EBIT instead of EBITDA. So now all these manufacturers are not going to be able to add that depreciation expense back to their baseline amount to determine what is deductible from uh, uh, as interest expense. So you, you couple that limit with now interest rates going north of 6%. There's going to be a, a an unpleasant surprise if you're not planning for it in having um, a lot of your interest expense that will not be deductible for tax purposes. And if you think about specifically in, within this industry, depreciation is a huge item, right? This is a very capital intense industry where mm -hmm. they're relying on that depreciation deduction every year. Absolutely. And then you throw in that um, a lot of these companies are financing their working capital through a line of credit and have term loads. So you have both both of those components that one of them's going away and, and it's not going in the good way. <laughs> and then the second, another uh, another item here that changed here recently is uh, deals with the research and development expense. So historically, these activities have been treated as a current expense for tax purposes. But effective in 2022, those research and development activities are now required to be capitalized for tax purposes and amortized or expensed over five years. So now what a company may have spent 
and if you depending on your size of your company, you may have a engineering department or you may outsource some of these R and D expenditures. So it can be a you know a variety of level of expenses depending on what you do. But you used to be able to expense those, take them right off your your bottom line for tax purposes. But now you'll only get 20% of that activity each year for five years. So you still get it, but it's just spread out over a much longer time period that you get that tax benefit. And you alluded to this, Stephen, saying that you're hoping that, you know, Congress will repeal this. But um, where is this stuck and where if if the if I'm a, a leader within a manufacturing company and I'm just hearing about this or I'm not aware that maybe this is a law change, where could you point me to that? Well, you, you need to reach out to your local Congress person, and we've actually helped clients do that. We've got a draft of a template letter that you could uh, send to your client stating some of the, these three things and how they negatively impact your business, and you would like them changed, reverted back to how they were. Uh, but your question on where they stand, uh, I've heard the Ways and Means Committee does have solutions to these, but everything right now is going to be on the debt ceiling and whether these get worked in there or not is anybody's guess i wish we had a crystal ball that we could we could we could look at but as of current law right now those those two things the interest expense and the r&d are going to hit people pretty hard and then a third item that has always been on the books but it starts here in 23 is the bonus depreciation is now starting to be phased out uh, this has been going on for quite a few years where congress allowed you to write off 100% of your capital assets. And it was referred to as this bonus depreciation because historically you would take that over a, just like that R&D expense I talked about, you would take it over a, a certain amount each year. But um, that is finally under current law down to 80% in 2023. So anything you buy, whether it's a new mill, any other capital asset you put in your plant, you'll only get a write off 80% of that in 2023. And it starts phasing down by 20% each year until it's zero in 2027. So to be determined if Congress will, will, will reverse these and, and, um, and, and give some uh, manufacturers a little more tax break, but hopefully they will. Well, Stephen, it sounds like uh, people in, in this industry, companies in this industry, um, a, a lot of dynamic issues that they have to solve. You know, what, what are some of the higher arching solutions that companies are putting into place to, to kind of respond to some of these issues? Are they rethinking what the, how they do things? Kind of what is, what, is, what is the solution for a lot of these, a lot of these issues for companies? Uh, obviously, it's try to be more efficient and effective in what they're doing. Um, some companies, there's been a little bit of a trend of more companies bringing services back on shore and not stretching out their supply chain as much to have a little more control over that and be able to um, get a quicker turnaround, shorter lead times to be more efficient because if taxes are going up, um, we got to try to find other ways to, to be more efficient. Companies need to look to using technology, more technology in their manufacturing process, and it, it, they need to think outside the box on what they do as well. Uh, one story about a company that uh, was a stamping uh, facility, and um, they had a they had a acceptable defect rate but they wanted to try to lower that even more. And they spent um, a couple hundred dollars on some temperature sensors and then lined that up from a, a data analysis perspective on a timing on when those defects were occurring. And 
when looking at the data, they realized that there was a certain time period and a temperature drop was causing these defects to occur. And when they analyzed it further, they realized that that was when certain employees went on break and they were opening a door in the facility that was then changing the temperature, which obviously this was a time sensitive uh, process or temperature sensitive process, and that was causing the defect. So they ended up putting up plastic that you see in a freezer around that uh, exit door, and that ended up maintaining the temperature dropping their defects, becoming more productive by spending a couple hundred dollars on some temperature sensors and being able to think outside the box and using data as a, in a different way. That's interesting. I've, I've, always, I've always liked, I think it was IBM's slogan was, know what your data knows, right? It, it knew what the issue was. You just have to kind of dive in it to, to figure it out. That's really interesting. Yeah. And... That with the technology costs continuing to come down, there's, it's unlimited on what, what you really what you could do. You just need someone to come think outside the box and change a little bit of um, or apply a different thought and data to to the process. Yeah, I think my approach is just to really recommend to people to understand that the technology is not going away. And instead of fearing it and thinking, you know, how it could negatively impact your business, reverse that and think, how can I use it to make us better, make us more efficient? You know, we just talked about all these labor challenges. How can we use that to solve our labor problems? So I think instead of, instead of being afraid of it, let's embrace it and, mm -hmm. and try to figure out ways to make it work for us. And don't be afraid of asking your workforce too. They're the ones that are out there in the plant. Go out and ask them, what do they need? What tools do they need to do this better, faster and more efficient? That's a great idea. Well, Stephen, here on The Wrap, we always ask our guests to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. So what's the one thing you want our listeners to leave with today? Okay. Well, we talked about a few issues facing manufacturing. Um, my closing comment or, or wrapping up would be that um, kind of a little bit what we talked about there. I would challenge each manufacturer to think of themselves as a data processor, not just a manufacturer of your particular product. If you compare the quantity of your products produced each year to the quantity of data you create and analyze each year, I bet you'd be surprised. So, so look for ways to improve that flow of data through your whole facility. Look at new data to collect and analyze and sort this data in different ways to your manufacturing process. Uh, I've had a few clients that have looked at themselves as data processors and not just manufacturers, and it's led to changes that have made them more efficient, more profitable, and, and ultimately increase the level of their uh, happiness of their workforce too. So no matter how old your product is or the process is, you can become a leader in your segment by, by using that data and analyzing it to your advantage. All right, well, Stephen, it's been a pleasure having you with us on The Wrap and uh, thank you for bringing this information to our listeners and uh, look forward to talking with you soon. Well, thank you, I enjoyed it. Good to see you both. Thank you. Thanks. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series, or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.